truth of God. I want to, again, just salute those on last evening. We were in Ironton, Ohio, at New Jerusalem Christian Center, where by God's grace, we were able to consecrate David Malone and Derek Mosley to the office of bishop. I salute them, and I'm excited for them and excited about what is next in their ministries and in their lives. I believe that God is calling and appointing his people for the season that we are currently in. And I thank God for the two of them, also for the four elders and the one deacon that we appointed there at New Jerusalem Christian Center, where my co-consecrators were uh, the pastor of New Jerusalem Christian Center, Bishop um, Glover, and my friend and brother, Bishop Bell. I just thank the Lord for the time that we had, for all the bishops that were there celebrating with us, taking part uh, in the service, Bishop Moffmer, Bishop uh, Aiken, um, Bishop um, uh, Jones, uh, Bishop uh, Bendoff, there's just so many that were there, so many uh, elders and pastors that came. Then there were bishops that just showed up I just thank the Lord for them as well that came to just witness what God is doing. I have to give a shout out to my brother, Bishop um, Stephen White. I thank God for him being in the audience just to see what God is doing. He knows that he's always in my heart and in my prayers, and I was excited to see my brother again. Again, I'm just excited about what God is doing, and I'm excited because of the season that we're in. A season where the culture of this nation is changing and God is appointing and putting into place people who have been empowered to confront that very culture. God has given us kingdom power. The question that we have to ask ourselves is not so much do we have that power, but how we operate in that power. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking to you about the power of Holy Ghost that God has imparted into the life of the believer. And that power is first and foremost for us so that we can um, put to rest the deeds of the flesh because outside the power of God in us, the triunity of the Godhead, every aspect of what God is in us we would never be able to defeat the uh, desires of the flesh. But because God loved us so much, because he sent his son to lay down his life on a cross to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, empowering us by the indwelling gift of the Holy Ghost, alive in us, enabling us the power necessary to put to death, to crucify the deeds of the flesh. Or even the command of God in scripture is to crucify yourself daily, to put the, to death the deeds of your flesh each and every day so that the God in you would arise and live and be shown forth. The power I live now, I live by the power of God that is in me rather than the power of my carnal nature, that which drives my flesh. 
We often blame a lot of things on the devil and on demonic forces, and a lot of things are a direct uh, fault of them. But I find, especially in the life of a believer, more often than not, the conflict is not so much with the devil as much as it is with ourselves. So God has empowered us to confront that conflict that's within us through the gift of Holy Ghost. But I also believe that there's another purpose and reason for which God has given us the power of himself, the authority of himself, and the mentality of himself to dwell richly in us so that we might also, after confronting our own culture, confronting the prevailing culture that is in the land. And today I just want to talk to you about the renewal of the apostolic, the renewal of the outpouring of God. We've come together in our very places, and I believe that God is in the process of reviving us in his anointing. There's a revival of God being released in the land with the sole purpose of changing our atmosphere so we can exercise our power, our God-given Holy Ghost power to stand in opposition against the enemy of our faith and return to the spreading of the gospel to the lost. We've come to a place where we're almost afraid to speak truth. We're almost afraid to just stand up in the face of power and declare what is right. We don't want to offend anybody is our moniker when this could not be farther from what real truth is. Everything that the flesh does is an offense to the spirit and everything that the spirit is doing is an offense to the flesh. There is no way that I can stand before you and share the things of God if you are in a state where your carnal nature is governing your uh, actions and your motives and expect not to offend you. I offend you not to harm you, but I offend you to liberate you. I offend you so that you can see real liberty that is only found in the power of Christ through the gift of Holy Ghost. I've come this morning to comfort the afflicted among you and to afflict the comfortable. I want to reveal what the mentality of the believers should be if we are ever going to affect change and get the word of God out to those who are longing for it, looking for it, not even understanding what it is that they are looking for. It's good to know what to do, but the trick is going from knowing to actually doing. We have many that are walking around in the body of Christ that know how to do a whole lot of things. <laughs> but when you look at them, they're sitting on the sidelines doing absolutely nothing. If I have a race car in my possession and I understand that the engine uh, of the car and the car itself, its braking system, its stability system, it, they're all built for speed. I cannot enjoy what the vehicle is built for until I get into it, turn it on, and release it, give it permission and authority to perform to the level for which it was created. It's no different for us. This is what we were created for. This is the season for release, not for hiding. 
We are the chosen of God to operate in the power and the authority of our creator to confront our culture. We need to understand a principle about power first though. Power is always in function. I always encourage you, take notes, listen to the things that I'm saying. If you miss something, go back, review the video again because these are things that you have to bring to the forefront of your mind. It has to be part of your subconscious so that you will consciously begin to think in this manner. And there's a principle about power that we must understand. Power does not take a break. Power does not go to sleep. It has no off time. Power is always in function and discerning people will know how to shift it for their assigned purpose and their calling. We have to understand we each have an assigned purpose and calling and God has empowered us, equipped us, anointed us, authorized us to function in what has been assigned to us and given us the power to be successful as we carry that very assignment out. Now, one of the most incredible truths in the world is that through Christ, everyone who believes in him through repentance and faith has the power to transform their lives, the lives of those around them, and even their communities and the prevailing culture that is in existence in our very environment. We've been partnered with Christ in the functioning of his transforming power. And as we are willingly surrendering our will to his will and obey him as Lord, he will channel his power through us to bring about change in our culture and in the lives of those that are around us. God has put you in a circle of friends so that you can impact them as God has impacted you, not that they would impact you as the culture has impacted them. In this, we become the expression of his power in the earth, the very voice of his power that's being exercised against everything which stands in opposition to it. This is the most important truth for us. All power is subject to the power of Christ, and this is what's so beautiful. Just this week, I heard that uh, one of the secretaries in the government one of the higher powers in the land made a statement about abortion, that abortion is good because it helps to control the population. How ludicrous this sounds, that a, a person could be elevated to such a high office and think that that is something that is good to say. The problem is, is because he has power, there are people that will listen to what he's saying. But praise God, he empowered us with Holy Ghost. And every power that is in the land is still subject to the power of God in us through the gift of Holy Ghost as authorized and administered by Christ. 
I hear people say that they don't have this power or the clergy uh, for some reason has more power than they do because they are just lay people. Let me clear something up real quick for everyone here today and those that are listening online. The power that I'm speaking of is not reserved for pastors. It's not reserved for prophets. It's not reserved for evangelists. It's not reserved for teachers. It's not reserved for just preachers. It is the providence of all believers you can say with constant confidence I have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon me Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth salt adds flavor and also is a preservative we as the church are supposed to function as the flavor and the preservative that's in our society First, we must add the flavor of the gospel of Christ to the world's bland diet of human philosophy and man-made religion that neither nourish nor satisfy the soul. And then secondly, our salty presence. Notice I'm not saying having a salty attitude, but it must help preserve our society from self-destruction so that the people can be transformed through the life-giving power of Jesus Christ functioning in and through us as his expression in time and in space we have to understand the motive the modus operandi of the enemy in process and in play now is for you to destroy yourself this is why transgenderism is becoming so popular and why they're enacting laws you have to be careful they're enacting laws and they hide within these laws, these sub-laws that allow for the uh, children to begin to mutilate and destroy themselves, to become something that they are not, and that that would even be hidden from parents that the authority of parents would be removed from over the children and even hidden, it would become forbidden. As a child would go to another adult to seek help in transforming who they are into something that they are not, that those people that help them, not only are they required to help them, but they're required to not even share that information with their parents how sick and perverse this culture is becoming. Jesus also said that we are the light of the world. If you pay attention to what's going on around you, there is darkness in the land. But Jesus said, we, the believer, are the light of the world. We are to be like a city that's set on a hill or a candle that's placed on a candlestick whose light cannot be hidden. Of course, we have no light of our own. As a matter of fact, we, we've you know, noticed lately, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of believers that are really more like uh, being overcast, cloudy, and ready for a storm than they are a light to anything. But it is the light of Christ, the brightness of Jesus, who is the light of the world. It shines through us to illuminate the spiritual darkness that is in existence around us. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the sixth and the seventh verse. 
For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The church should shine brightly as a distinctive and compelling presence before the world, before our culture, before every power that is in existence. Wherever we as the people of God go, transformation should follow us. Fruit should follow us. Signs should follow us. Anywhere we plant our feet should become different because we were there. Why then do we see so little transformation within our society today? Why is it that after more than 200 years of religious freedom, Bible teaching and preaching in this country that our society has been transformed? How can it be in a nation with a church on practically every corner, a nation where more than 80% of its citizens claim to believe in a God, it is still perfectly legal to kill unborn babies while they are still in their mother's womb. Sexual immorality and perversion abounds all around us and we are still debating whether or not it is right to have Christian prayer in our schools while it is all right to pray to other gods or to post the Ten Commandments in a court of law or place a nativity scene on public property. Why is it that even the laws of the land are turning from reflecting the will of God to satisfying the will of man and the fulfillment of every fleshly desire. One of the reasons we do not see a greater spiritual transformation in our society is because the church culture, the church culture that we have allowed to develop and that we have participated in, we are all guilty a church culture that has a form of godliness but denies the very power thereof. Read 2 Timothy 3 and 5. Check the text, check the text, check the text. A cancer that is sucking the life out of the divine revelation right out of the air that we breathe. In American culture today, in America today, not years past, but today, we have as much empty religion as we do genuine relationships with God. We have as much form and fashion and ritual as we do power, anointing, and demonstration. For the most part, we do not see transformation because we have become blinded to the power that is transformation. Why do we lack what Christ has given us? Because we are looking to our own wisdom, our own resources, and our own understanding instead of looking to God. God placed in us Holy Ghost to guide us, to give us direction that we might follow through and accomplish the very thing for which he is declaring us to do. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths wisdom says that we should trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding I believe this is where our problem lies right here 
We have an entire generation of people in the church who think that everything should fit within their own understanding. If something doesn't make sense based upon the reasoning, uh, their, their logic or their way of doing things, then it simply cannot be right. Unless they can know everything up front or work everything out in advance, they want no part of it. But Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says that God's thoughts and ways not only are different from ours, but they are also higher than ours. God does not think or act the way that we do. His thoughts and his ways are beyond our comprehension. God to us is illogical and we are foolish in the eyes of God. Uh, we, we cannot comprehend God which is why we cannot know uh, anything unless God reveals it to us as long as we lean to or trust in our own understanding we will never understand the ways of God so what does this mean in practical terms well our natural tendency then in any area in our health finances general decision making is to look first toward human wisdom and man-made solutions let me give you an example despite the many scriptural references on how to be happy and filled with joy many believers if diagnosed with depression will automatically turn to medication as a first resort now, I'm not denying in any way the value and the importance of modern medicine or trying to discourage anyone from seeking appropriate treatment. But what I am saying is that such an automatic recourse to medicine often reflects a tacit, as a, a, a tacit assumption that no solution is therefore possible from God, so we go to man first. Couples that are struggling with financial problems look to the bank for help instead of the Bible. Far too often in the problems and the affairs of everyday life, looking to God for the answer becomes our last resort rather than our first resort. The option that we try when every other solution has failed. We create for ourselves such time of suffering because we choose to go first to a failing power, a failing logic, a failing reasoning rather than going to what will absolutely bring deliverance into our crisis. The key to supernatural transforming power in life as well as in the church is learning to appreciate the resources that we have without relying on them. God is our resource. God is our source. He is the one on whom we should depend. No matter how much he may have given us, we cannot lean on what we have been given. We cannot lean on the increase of finances he has blessed us with. We cannot lean on our intelligence that he has gifted us with. We cannot lean on the wisdom or the knowledge or the education that we have obtained. We cannot lean on our building to attract people. We cannot lean on our talent to move people. We cannot lean on our organization to transform Form people we must learn to lean and trust in the Lord God and on the Lord God himself alone when we keep everything in proper perspective doing what we can 
with our resources while trusting the Lord for the rest. He will do the very things we simply cannot do. He takes the natural and does supernatural things with it. He will deliver the bound and the oppressed. He will heal those who are in need of healing. He will save those who are in need of saving. He will impart new life in those who trust in him. If we trust in the Lord, he will transform us and then through us transform the world. This transformation comes because God has called us to transform our church culture first. There is a cancer in our church culture and our church culture needs to change before we can have any real hope of transforming the greater culture of the world that we live in we must first transform our church culture Many churches in America today are steeped in a culture of powerlessness, uh, accommodation, and compromise that they have marginalized themselves and lost touch completely with both the heartbeat and the heart cry of the people that they should be reaching out for, for Christ. Some may be locked in tradition that no longer has any real meaning or relevance, while others espouse faulty theology and erroneous doctrine that effective, effectively strips them of any true spiritual authority. Whatever the case is, what I'm seeing across this country is a dead church culture that has no power to change anything and that offers nothing to the contemporary American that they feel that they either need or want when they look at the church. We need to build a church culture that carries the power to transform our communities. What would this look like? Well, I'm glad you're thinking that. I see 10 characteristics in scripture that I believe every church needs if it wants to reach people and transform lives through the power of the gospel of Christ. These 10 characteristics are the foundation for this ministry, Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center, as we move further in the, into the territory that God has given us to establish his word of life in life. I want everyone that can to, to write these down as I release them into your mind and study them so that they become your way of living, your way of life. This is the blueprint for how to run with the vision of Christ to declare the gospel in in every part of the land and in every place that your feet will tread. Ten characteristics. Now I encourage you, tune in again next week and I'll tell you what those ten are. I've got to get you to come back. You've got to comprehend what I've already told you. You've got to realize the reality of where we are as a people, as a church, and as a nation before these 10 characteristics will bring meaning to your life. So let me give you some homework this week. Over this week, think about the things that I've said. Begin to look and study and analyze what's going on in the church and what's going on in the world. Get yourself to a place where you yourself have become hungry to find out how I can receive this ability to transform not just the culture that I'm living in but the church that I'm going to the church that I'm a part of who is the church we are the church and we need transformation 
because the world is reeling in darkness, in sickness, in disease. They need us. Realize where we are. Join me again next week and I will tell you how we can fix us and begin to fix our community, our culture, do everything God has called us to do until he calls us to be home with him. I thank you for your time this morning. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace. Have an awesome Sunday. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.